All right, let me ask you to stand. We'll get right to our text this morning. We are in the midst of our study of the book of Revelation in chapter 14. And we'll read beginning from verse number 6 down to verse number 11. Revelation chapter 14, verse number 6. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment is come, and worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters." And there followed another angel, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all the nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast and his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Our Heavenly Father, I pray the next few moments as we look into this incredible, <coughs> this Lord, this fascinating text. That, Lord, you would help us to understand, Lord, the principle of opportunity. And, Lord, our need to take advantage of opportunity in, in the time that we have. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Our text this morning comes at the end of what we have been studying, a time in history called the Great Tribulation. This is a seven-year period of time where God is bringing um, the history, the story, the journey of mankind to its final conclusion. Um, as we have studied a little bit from the book of Daniel, the tribulation is Jewish time. The time of the Gentiles is really about to expire, and will so at the rapture. And there's seven years of unfulfilled Jewish time where God will rain down His judgment upon a sinful world that has long forsaken Him. And that is the context that we're in today, really the latter half of that seven years. The earth as a whole has chosen to reject the opportunity that they have been given, really from the days of Genesis to present and to the future, to honor Christ, their Savior, and as the text says so eloquently, the Creator, the One who has made all there is, His creation really has rejected the Lord. This is the same rejection um, and opportunity that has been presented since the days of Genesis throughout all generations. Humanity as a whole and, and, and the people all around us have made this decision to reject the Lord, choosing rather to serve um, self-interest, self-autonomy, false deity, worldly philosophy, hedonism, all these things, mankind in their pride and sinfulness and stubbornness have, have chosen to pursue those things rather than God. But throughout history, despite human sin and constant rejection, one thing has been constant, and it will be true and has been true for the, the entirety of our lives, is that we, humanity, have been given the incredible, amazing opportunity to serve the Lord, to choose God 
to embrace salvation. Today, you and I have the opportunity that we've been given this, this gift of being able to serve the Lord, to honor the Lord, to receive His salvation, which, which came at the, the, the price of the Lord Jesus Christ dying on the cross for our sins. We can know His blessings today. The word opportunity is, is really the theme of today. And it means this, it's a set of circumstances that makes it possible for us to do something. It's a set of circumstances that makes it possible for us to do something. And of course, the something that Christ did for us was dying on the cross. The opportunity we have as a result of that is to know Him in salvation, to know Him in relationship, and to serve Him with our lives, as Brother Daniel said, and to make an investment into eternity that will follow us when we die. And so that's incredibly important to understand what Jesus has done for us. As we look at our text this morning, I want us to review the setting and context of what we're looking at this morning, because for some this, this might be new. At some time in the past, and I mean for the past of the reading of this text, at some time in the past, humanity grew more and more depraved, and the world began to fall into disarray. And we see that around us today. Uh, humanity is declining as a whole. Society and culture is, is degrading. And in that time, a trump, a great trump was blown by Gabriel, and it was heard throughout the world, and Christ stood from His heavenly throne at the command of His Father, and all those living on earth who had trusted Christ uh, were resurrected in, in, from this planet, and those who, were die, who had died as well, to meet the Lord Jesus Christ in the air. Now we call this great event the parousia, or we call it the rapture. Now that's future for us, but is looking backwards from the time of the reading of our text. This event happens quickly in the twinkling of the eye. And the Bible says that those who are caught up in the air to get the Lord will be with Him forevermore, will be reunited with those that He loved, who have gone on to be with Him at an earlier time. And in that moment, all believers will re receive their reward. It's called the Bema Seat Judgment. There'll be no condemnation. Uh, there, there'll be no guilt. There'll just be um, our lives, whatever it may be, wood, hay, and stubble, or maybe gold, silver, and precious metal, whatever it might be. Uh, we will receive our reward at that time. But on the, on the earth, as you can imagine, confusion will reign. But a confused and broken world will rally around a figure and a character known as the Antichrist. And he will be a human possessed by the devil or one of his minions who will lead the nations to follow him and he will present himself in this time of confusion as a savior, really an anti-savior, an antithesis to Christ. And he will lead the inhabitants of the earth that are still alive to reject the Lord, to reject Christ and to accept him as the world ruler and as a substitute savior. In exchange for their loyalty and willingness to receive uh, blessings from this Antichrist, they will receive a mark upon their hand, on their forehead. I, I don't know what that will actually be like. The Bible just calls it some kind of mark. And, and um, as a recipient of that, they will be given economic security and a false sense of security in this very dangerous time. It seems impossible and incredulous that in this context that humans would accept the Antichrist. The church has been raptured. Um, that's, you would think, would have to capture people's attention. Um, during the last seven years since that great event, the world has seen some incredible things. 
stars falling from the sky, earthquake after earthquake, um, wormwood falling from the heavens into the rivers, polluting them. Uh, God has done one miraculous judgment after another. But just like Pharaoh who stood in defiance of the Lord when he saw the same kinds of things, humanity, despite seeing all this, will still reject God, despite the supernatural wonders all around them. Most likely, most of humanity will have heard the preaching of the 144,000. Uh, during this time, there'll be again a revival in the nation of Israel. The Bible tells us that 144,000 men will be saved from that nation. They will be evangelists and proclaimers of the gospel. Um, God will give them supernatural power. They're going to be preaching. We also know this, that two men will come. They're called the two witnesses, who will also have supernatural power, most likely. Moses and Elijah return, who will also be preaching. The world will watch them be slain, and then them themselves resurrected. My, my point is this is that the world is being given unimaginable opportunity to see the truth and embrace it. And yet they still in mass do not. We know some are saved, but in mass most are not. And the reason for that is there are several things working against them. Number one, the Bible tells us in the book of Thessalonians that a great delusion will befall the world. The influence of the church will be gone. <clears throat> Much of the work of the Holy Spirit will be reduced. Humanity will be led to believe a lie. Um, it'll be, in a way, more difficult to, to embrace the opportunity, to take that choice than it ever has been before, despite the things they are seeing. The wickedness of their own hearts, of course, will be steeped in the sin and the delusion of the time. And the appeal of the Antichrist, this charismatic, persuasive world leader, will promise them salvation if they'll just stick with him unto the end. To, to, to me, this sounds crazy and unbelievable, and to my mind, but I, I suppose it's still more crazy and unbelievable than people who reject Christ today. You know, I, I, it's, um, it's a mystery to me. I, my background science, microbiology, genetics, I, I've studied these things. I heard one time, you know, a little bit of science can take a man away from God, but a whole lot of science will bring him back again. And, and I think that's true. I remember one time I was hiking in the mountains and in, in a very remote area. And there's just wilderness all around me. And, and I happened upon a creek and I guess this is trendy to do, but when I, when I got there, in the middle of this, in this wilderness, there was a stack of rocks on top of each other. You guys seen that kind of stuff before? And people take these flat rocks and they stack them super high. And so, you know, what kind of mind would look at that and say, man, I wonder how the river did that? <laughs> you follow me? Man, I wonder what set of circumstances all had to happen atmospherically and in the river and the current, you know, to stack those 20 rocks on top of each other. Well, any thinking person, you know, concludes, oh, somebody else was here and stacked those rocks up, right? And that's what a thinking person would assume. How in the world can you watch a baby be born? How can you look up into a nice sky and see the stars? How, how can you not consider the amazing complexity of humanity, um, a mind, a body, a soul, a spirit. How 
can we not know innately in our own hearts that things are not right within us and broken? You know, there's a, there's a, there's a God-shaped hole in all of our hearts. I mean, here's the point. It's already super obvious and evident that there is a creator, the one who made all the things that's mentioned in our text. As a matter of fact, you have to be just an abstract denier to come to any other conclusion. Whatever Darwinism you want to you maybe embrace or you know, evolutionary theory, which is such bad science, it violates all the, the known laws of thermodynamics. It's, it's theoretically impossible when you talk about mutation. It's just goofy science that's been propagated in the absence of those who would accept the Lord. Um, it, it's just silliness. The point is, this, is, is, it's obvious there's a God to all of us today. We are obviously created. The world has order. We're, we're, this, this, we're on a planet spinning in space, held together by this mysterious thing called gravity. No one knows what it is. It's a force that can't be quantified. We're hurtling at light speed through a galaxy that is infinite. <laughs> and in that environment, we just stick to the place that we're here. You know, that's just, that's just, if you subtract God, it just makes no sense. But just in the times of the tribulation, men will believe a lie and delusion, so too do people today. It's a mystery. And the point is, is we've been offered the solution, but we just simply do not take it. Life has made it possible against all odds. There's a set of principles called the anthropic principle. It's literally thousands upon ten thousands of principles that's aligned for life to be present. And I'm here to tell you that only has been aligned by the hand of God. Any thinking mind can come to no other conclusion. But man rejects him. But here's the truth. Our God, the Creator, the one who made us, even as the Bible says in Romans, yet while we are still sinners, He still chose to die for us. And in the midst of humanity's rejection, He still gives us opportunity. An opportunity to accept Him, accept the opportunity to accept His truth, to receive the gift of grace by faith, which simply means believing. God from Genesis, as we are discovering, to Revelation, um, even during the great apocalypse, gives mankind a choice and opportunity to be saved. Here in our text, right before the end of the world, the consummation of the age, our text is about this. God gives people one more chance. What a gracious God. I mean, all this stuff has happened, all this rejection, this, the, the, the great story of mankind comes to this point, and they've rejected, they've rejected, they've rejected. God's done all these miracles. He sent His witnesses. He's got 144,000. I mean, it, it's like the hour's almost there. The last click of the last clock of the last bit of time is about there. And God says, one more thing, I'm going to send some angels out there to evangelize the world. Is that not incredible? Amen. It's yet one more opportunity. In verse number 6, God sends an angel to fly in between the space between heaven and earth. And the Bible says with a loud voice, the idea this is a voice that all of that humanity can hear. And he goes to every nation, every tribe, every kindred, every people group, every language to, to, to give the message of the glorious gospel to those who are still alive. Humanity will be greatly diminished. And yet God still gives this group of rejectors one more chance 
to accept the gospel message that is carried. That sins can be forgiven by the provision of the Lord Jesus Christ, who died on the cross as a substitute for us, carrying our sins, that we might receive His righteousness in exchange of that great gift of grace by faith. The text says that the angel, I don't know what angel, it could be Gabriel, it could be Michael, it could be one of the seven angels who've been blowing the trumpets, but he speaks to every single person upon the planet, explaining and exclaiming the gospel, and even says, this is the last hour, this is the last moment, this is the, this is the last opportunity. The Creator, the Creator's coming. In verse 7, evidently in mass, humanity still unbelievably rejects the Lord. I, if I saw an angel in the sky, I think it would capture my attention. But I also think everything we've seen would capture attention. But know this, the devil in this time has done everything he can to capture the minds and the imagination of the heart of the people as well. And this second angel has a message of doom and judgment saying, Babylon, Babylon, that great city is falling and God's wrath is coming. Babylon in the Bible um, really originated from man's first major rebellion as a group. Uh, of course, we know sin rose up very early in Adam and Eve and then in Cain. There's a man named Nimrod who was a mighty man of the earth. He's a great political leader. And in his rebellion against God, he gathered the nations of the earth together, whatever that would have been. And he built a tower. We all know the name of the tower, right? The Tower of Babel. And the purpose of the tower is probably like a ziggurat today, if you've seen those, kind of like a, a great pyramid. But its purpose was to, to wind their way up to heaven. And the idea there was probably most likely to overthrow the power of God. Now, I, I don't know how tall this thing was. The Bible says that you know, there was a time that if man set their heart to do these things, there's nothing that would stop them. There was probably great intelligence this time. But the point of this, the Tower of Babel was a place of confusion and political rebellion, religious rebellion against God. And of course, God responded by scattering the, all the people there over the face of the earth, giving them different tongues and languages so they could not recreate that kind of rebellion ever again. In time, a city arose from that same place called Babylon. And of course, we know that Babylon was a great place of evil led by Nebuchadnezzar and other wicked kings from that part of the world. And in time, Babylon was responsible for the destruction of Judah as a nation. So, biblically speaking, Babylon has always been a byword, a code word for evil, for the seat and the throne of Satan. And, and, and that's what's being referenced here, not necessarily a specific city, not necessarily a specific place, but rather at this time the Antichrist will have built a one world government, most likely led from Rome. But we do know this in the Bible, oftentimes in the New Testament, Rome was coded as Babylon. It was a way of saying the same thing. Here's the seat of rebellion. Here's the seat of, of a government that is against God. Just as um, Babylon uh, was antithesis to the people of God, the Roman government in time tried to wipe out early Christianity. And again, this will be resurrected. And the Bible says that all of Satan's schemes, political, religious, social, it's over. Babylon, the entity against God, is going to fall. And it will. The angel saying, you rejected God, and now God, and in the presence of His holy angels, will reject you. 
It's going to crumble and fall. It's the idea of it uses wine here. The idea is that wine deludes, it alters the mind. And the Antichrist deluded your minds, and now God's going to give you the wrath of, of, of His judgment. Wine was often used for judgment. And you're going to stumble and fall in such a way that you're never going to get up again because you've rejected this last opportunity. Verse number 9, very quickly, then finally a third angel arises and flies to the sky saying, uh, you know, not only is the empire falling, but so too does everyone who follows it. So too does everyone who receives the mark of the beast. And then this great description of the torment of God's wrath and judgment in the place called hell that men will be assigned to because they died in rejection of God. It's a place of ultimate horror, ultimate darkness. This brimstone, all these metaphors here are used to describe just the, the infinite misery of this place. But here's the thing. Up until the last tick of the lost clock, last clock of human history, mankind had an opportunity to avert that end. And so do we. Okay? So do we. The book of the Apocalypse, Revelation, was written to people. Now, we gotta, I want you to understand this. We read it today. It's been preserved for us. When John wrote it, there was a church in Laodicea. There was a, there was a church in Thessalonica. There was a church in you know, Ephesus. It was, it's like us. It's like a group of people meeting here. And John wrote this letter to them. Okay? Now, unlike us, here's what was happening. They lived during a time of Babylon, of Roman Empire, a government that hated Christianity and was actively persecuting them. So John writes this letter to tell them what's going to happen, but also so they, so they could identify in their own times with important decisions they had to make. Um, Rome did not make them get you know, brand on their hand or their forehead, but what Rome did to Christians is make them go to the temple and offer a sacrifice. And if they didn't, they were socially, politically ostracized. And as we know, many of them were put to death. Polycarp and others died at the hands of Roman government because they refused to serve um, Nero, Domitian, and others. So these people really related to the story in, maybe in a way that like, like we can't. So John is saying, don't serve the Antichrist. Don't serve Rome. Don't serve the devil. He said, whatever you do, make sure you serve Christ. Because the alternative to serving Christ will be the ultimate destruction of Rome, the future Rome, but most importantly, will be the destruction of your own souls. So these words were meant to communicate. First of all, there's vindication for those who serve the Lord their whole life. There's vindication. And there's a cost associated with not serving Christ, as described in the latter part of our text. The application for us this morning is no different. People today, in mass and individually, are not accepting Christ. Today you're here, and there's a lot of things to believe about in the world, but you are citizens, you are a part of one of two kingdoms. And that's true for everyone in this room today. You are either part of the kingdom of God, or you are not. And that's called the world's kingdom, Satan's kingdom. And you may assign it to a thousand other things. Well, I, I follow, study this. Here's your choices. It's God and His kingdom, or it's everything else. 
if you accept the Lord Jesus Christ and His kingdom, the reward and recompense for that is eternity in heaven with Him. If you reject that and choose anything else other than Christ, your recompense of reward is what's described for us in the latter part of these verses, and we simply call it hell. That's your choices. Heaven and its reward, or hell and its judgment. And that will be forever true. And I want to say to those who are gathered here today, that really at this moment you have an opportunity. And it may not be presented to you by an angel in the sky. And, and, and I might be talking to those who, who are not part of our church family or who are not saved today. <clears throat> and I know I'm no angel. <laughs> but I, I am carrying the eternal gospel in my hand. And I want you to know it's also in my heart. And I am telling you, with all the authority of the Word of God, and all the authority that speaks in your own heart that says it's true, that you are a sinner, and if you are not saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will suffer an eternal condemnation. And there's no other, op there's no other opportunity or option for you. Well, I choose not to believe that. You know, belief in sincerity does not change reality. I could be on a ship that is sinking, and I can refuse to accept that it's sinking, but in the end, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go down. And if I don't accept the reality that I need to get on a lifeboat, I'm going to go down with it. And no matter my argument for anything else, nothing's going to change that if that's my reality. I am telling you on the authority of the Word of God, on the creation all around us, that there is a God. There's only one way to that God, and that's through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's only one name under heaven that's assigned to us whereby we all must be saved. Salvation is found in no other. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord can be saved. You can't be saved by good works. You can't merit it through church attendance. You can't find it through any other means. It's not when you get to heaven your good works outward outweigh your bad. If there's just one blot a failure on any of our parts that, that excludes us from perfection and therefore heaven. There's only one way, one opportunity to get to heaven. And I'm here as God's messenger, because that's what angel literally means, messenger, to tell you, you have a chance to be saved today. Amen. It's not as dramatic as this scene, but it's absolutely as important. Amen. It's absolutely as important. Now, I've got to tell you something. It's not about my persuasiveness today. It's about a truth. It's, a, it's about what's real. And I, 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 I know it's a fun day. This is what was next in the text, and I'm fairly committed to doing what's next. Here's what we think. We'll delay. We'll wait. Well, hey, Pastor, here's the deal. So, my clue will be this. I'm, going to serve, I'm not going to serve the Lord. So when I see that everyone from Ethel's Baptist Church is gone, then I'll make a decision to trust Christ. Well, first of all, I'm not sure everyone from Ethel's Baptist Church is going to be gone on the rapture. I hope they all are. But that's foolish thinking. Well, okay, I'll wait till I see the signs in the, in the sky that I see in the book of Revelation. Or I'll wait till I, uh, the Antichrist is present, and then I'll make a decision to Christ. I want you to understand that is delusional thinking. Just because opportunity is present 
doesn't mean that one day in the future that you will be able to decide to take advantage of it. You see, there's a role that God plays in our salvation. And by that I mean, and I don't understand, I know whosoever will can be saved. I also know there's a part where the Spirit speaks to my heart, He woos me. But the Bible tells me that God will not always strive with man. And if God were to diminish His part at all, no matter what else we may see or hear, our ability to take advantage of even a present opportunity may be diminished. And if we're not careful through the hardness of heart, through callousness of mind, a time may come when you can't hear them. I know this would not be true for anyone here today, but sometimes when people get in a state of real bitterness or anger or resentment, they can't hear the truth. You know what I'm talking about? And sometimes we can get that way with the Lord. We can just get where we don't really hear Him anymore. See, I want you to understand this, that sometimes as time changes, so too does your heart. And it might be that in the future you might be more willing to receive Christ. And it might be, it might be, that in the future you'd be less. That something could happen to your heart. That you may grow distant. Hey, look here. There might be people here today who never, who never darken the door of a church again today. And that could be you. I would like to think that someone who visited our church and came in and, I don't know, I thought the choir was great today. The men's group was great. I'm trying to be gracious. But someone could have a negative experience here for whatever reason and never, ever, ever have the chance to hear the gospel this way ever again. You just don't know what the future is going to bring. The idea of delaying opportunity because it will always be there, it might be there to the very end, but it doesn't mean that you will be able to take advantage of it. I know this. I, I, I watch this. Last opportunities are usually the hardest to take advantage of. There are less people saved in their 50s than in their 40s. There are even less people saved in their 60s than their 50s. And there are fewer people saved in their 70s than their 60s. It's not because they're in less need. It's because with time, sometimes the heart grows cold and less responsive. Well, I'll, I'm, I'm just going to wait. Well, I'll conclude with this. The book of James says this. Life is a what? It's a vapor. We don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. You see, how can I say this? There may be an opportunity here for you tomorrow, but you might not be here to receive it. Jesus made this point over and over. Today is the day of salvation. I'm so glad you're here today. I, I'm genuinely, I, I hope everyone here has a great time. What we're about to do is going to be a lot of fun. But all the fun would be pointless and meaningless if you partake of that and you're on your way to hell. Absolutely meaningless. Matter of fact, it would it, 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 it almost be an insult to the intention of the activity. If you're here today and you never accepted Christ as Savior, um, 
if you don't know for sure that heaven's your home, you need to accept these simple truths. Um, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And if you would simply understand that we are saved by grace, the gift of God through faith, a belief in that truth, acknowledging God, the Bible says, and whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord can be saved. I want every person in this room who walks out that back door in this field in a few moments to know that they are saved. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning, if you would.